Welcome to True Story, the public relations podcast, a space where we get a peek behind the scenes of brands and businesses that have a real story to tell. Because in today's world, we are done with perfect and fake. We want to support brands that aren't afraid to show their true colors. I'm your host, Whitney Lee, the founder of True Story PR, an agency focused on helping businesses show up authentically through their social media, PR, and more. We pride ourselves on always keeping it real. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hi, welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about selling on social media. And I think I've said this several times, but like, you know, there's, uh, I come up with a lot of these episodes uh, and the topics based on either A, people are asking me for these topics, or B, um, I see trends happening with our clients. And I'm like, you know what, this is a really interesting topic. Like if, if it's a pattern and we have multiple clients facing this, then that tells me that there's other businesses out there that are facing the same thing and it's something to address. So I, today we're going to talk about selling on social media. It's a hot topic and it's something that a lot of people come to us for, right? Um, because we're social media experts. I've literally, so Facebook started when I was a senior in high school. Um, and when I, was in grad school doing an internship is when the like page on Facebook came out. Like Instagram didn't even exist. Yeah, this makes me sound really freaking old. I'm not that old. But selling on social media has become a huge thing. And a lot of people come to us for help with that. One of the biggest challenges that we have in return is managing their freaking expectations because of all these things they see out there, which we're going to talk about. But Ultimately, you know, we help people sell things on social media all the time and we're very, very successful at it, but we have to create a strategy, you know, Um, and the number one thing, you know, when someone calls us and they're like, hey, I want your help. We've been trying to sell this or that through social media. We have a great following, but we're not actually closing the deal. I always go look at what they've been doing. And what I notice is every time they are trying to sell too quickly. The things that they're posting are immediately asking for the sale, like buy this now, click this now. I always, you know, go back to people and I give them the analogy of like, what if, what would happen if you went on a, a date and someone proposed to you on, on a first date? You would think they were nuts and you were run, right? Or they try to kiss you within three seconds of meeting you like, whoa, okay, slow down. I don't even know you. Um, we need to have a conversation. I need to get to know you. I want to hear about you and, and, and things like that before we just like dive in and get married or start making out, right? So same thing with selling on social media. And I think that this is really honestly just a byproduct of our society today, like in the world today, we expect immediate gratification. We are so spoiled. Whether you want to admit it or not, we are so, so spoiled by immediate gratification. And we expect that, you know, uh, and clients have come to expect and look for ROI with every single thing that they do. Now, let me just say, I agree with that. Like I 100% think you always need to be looking at your ROI, but you have to remember that your ROI, you know, okay, so for anybody listening, I use that term all the time, return on investment. If you're going to 
spend time doing something, what are you getting out of it? Or if you're going to hire an agency to manage your social or do your PR, like how much are you making in return, right? So people all the time, like their brains only look at ROI as money, like every time. And I see this with a lot of our clients and I have to coach them through that like sometimes the ROI on something is not money. Sometimes the return on investment is getting 500 new email addresses in your database. Sometimes the ROI is getting new followers on social media. You know, there's a lot of different things that are ROI. So if you're listening out there, I think you got to open your mind to a different form of return on investment. Sometimes people think to themselves like, well, I spend money on it, so I should make money on it. Well, sometimes you've got to play the long game. So we live in a world of funnels, okay? With all of our clients, we look at a customer's journey to buying something. We don't just, it's not as simple as I post this and I make this money, you know? We live in a world of funnels where we're trying to actually help you build a relationship with your customer, you know, we're not trying to just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, get a sale. Would that be nice? Yes. And does that happen sometimes? Yeah, sure. But we're trying to help you develop a relationship so this person becomes a customer for life. They become a brand ambassador. They become a part of your family kind of thing. And they buy from you over and over again, not just hit it and quit it kind of thing. Ha ha, pun intended. Okay. So we live in a world of funnels. So a lot of people use the the KLT thing, know, like, trust. It's very true. First, they have to know about you. They have to hear about you. They have to all of a sudden understand. They have to recognize that you exist. That's knowing you, right? Then they have to like you. They have to identify you and feel comfortable with you and feel like they've gotten to know you and your company and what you offer and what your mission is and things like that. They have to like you. And then as a byproduct of that, they will trust you. And that is whenever they trust you is when they marry you, right? They buy from you. They become a customer. So know, like, and trust. Nowhere in there do you just skip all that and just be like, buy my stuff, people, right? If it were that easy, like everybody would do this on their own. You know, it is a journey. So with every client that we work with, we have to look at how their customer journey is. It is different for every single business. Even two businesses that are in the same business, maybe, you know, the same industry, like, you know, two physicians or, I don't know, um, two restaurants or, you know, their, their customer journey may be different for a lot of different factors, you know. So let's talk about individually, like social media, okay? So this is what I try to explain to our clients is that social media a lot of times is your top of funnel. So what does that mean? That means we are bringing them in through social media. Maybe that's the first time that they hear about you, okay? That's the first time they're exposed to you through some of the organic content or maybe paid content on social, right? So we're bringing them in through social and nurturing the relationship there. That's why I tell our clients that we use the 80-20 rule on social media. 
I say 80% of the content on a page should not be selling. It should be organic. It should be, you know, conversational, engaging, entertaining, or inspiring the audience, not asking for a sale. 20% of our posts will have a call to action where it encourages someone to book now or call now or whatever the case may be. 80, 20. Okay. Because again, the first time if if someone's discovering us through social media, I don't want the first thing for them to see to be buy this now, call here now, whatever. I want them to just be organically engaging with you, you know? So we use social media to bring them in. So then what we do, the first goal is to bring them into the funnel through social and get them on our email list, or get them on a text list, or another way to reach them. Then they start receiving messaging there. Again, now we're in the like phase. Remember we talked no like, trust? Now we're in the like phase. We're nurturing the relationship. They're getting emails from us. They're getting text campaigns from us. Now they're following us on social. So they're seeing us over and over again in these different platforms, and then we move them through the funnel next. You know, we have targeted messaging that, you know, if they're interested in that or, you know, whatnot. But like the first thing we need to do is bring them in by not selling them. Honestly, I tell people all the time, your social media, one of the keys to selling on social media is not forcing the sale, is not being in your face asking, buy this now, do this now. The first thing you need to be doing on social is adding value to someone's life educating them, positioning yourself as the expert so they like you before you ask them to buy stuff. So the key to selling on social media is to slow down, okay? Slow down and recognize that social media really is top of funnel, okay? Um, Now, that being said, we do sell a lot of stuff through social media, but we nurture them first and we use pixels. I don't want to get so far into pixels because that can get like really techy. But when you're doing a Facebook ad, you can put a pixel, like let's say we're getting them to click through um, to a article. Okay. We represent a medical cannabis practice, right? This is not a dispensary where they're selling marijuana. This is the medical practice where they, you know, like in the state of Florida, it's medicinal only. So this is, and Mississippi, that's where they have locations. So let's say that they click through to, you know, we have a blog about, um, Parkinson's disease and how medical marijuana can help people that suffer from Parkinson's. Okay. I'm just like totally throwing out a random idea. So we can put this pixel on the the blog page with the Parkinson's blog. And when people click through from the ad to read about Parkinson's, then we, it puts them on a quote list. The pixel makes a list of everyone who clicked through, right? Then we can turn around and reserve an ad to just those people that specifically talks about Parkinson's and helping people with Parkinson's and getting their medical marijuana card. Because then you know that those people are already interested in Parkinson's. You know what I mean? Like you've got, you've got them niched down a little bit. Obviously they were interested enough to click through and read the blog. So that tells me someone in their life, maybe themselves or someone in their life has Parkinson's or is affected by that. For some reason they took interest in that article. So then you can turn around and serve them an ad that only goes to the people on that pixel list 
and they'll receive and you can like craft the language specifically around that. So then the ad becomes so targeted and you've got less people that you're reaching. You're only targeting the people on that pixel list. So you pay less for the ad because it's such a smaller pool, right? There's so many cool things you can do with social media ads, but your posts, your organic posts should not be where you're trying to sell. You've really got to niche it down and narrow it down. But, you know, like for the business owners out there, like I think the reason why this is happening, you know, A, again, we are very impatient people, but like people just want to skip and they want to sell stuff. And and that's the problem, right? And I think that the reason why that's the problem is, first of all, people see unrealistic stuff on social media. I don't know if you guys see all these people that are like, I made $100,000 in my first month, or I had a $100,000 launch on my new course or whatever they're peddling. People post that. And A, I don't know if that's always true. um, But B, if it is true, they've probably done a lot of nurturing already, or they're serving ads to a pixel list, or they've niched down so specifically. So they don't, you don't see all the backstory of the funnel and the journey that got them there. All you see is them bragging about $100,000 in their first month. And that makes business owners think like, well, why am I not doing that? This is like age old, you know, like comparison via social media. Like whether or not we realize this is happening to our brains, it's not just about body image. It's about all kinds of things. Like social media makes us compare ourselves to other people whether it's consciously or subconsciously. So just be aware that a lot of that crap you see is A, people lying, uh, but B, you're not seeing the full story. So um, also another thing that I see a lot that has caused business owners to have like this very skewed vision about selling on social media, they listen, and, and I appreciate this, like they listen to podcasts that give them advice on marketing you know, like they're, they're maybe a new business or a small business and they're trying to like, um, bootstrap their own marketing. Right. So they're listening to podcasts and they're educating themselves again. Totally appreciate that. I listen to podcasts all the time to get education, but these podcasts about marketing and PR, a lot of times give very blanketed advice, like, you know, and again, with marketing and PR, it is really hard to give blanketed advice that works for all these different industries. In fact, that that kind of doesn't exist. And I'm, I'm very careful and transparent with you guys like listening to this podcast. I try to give you very specific examples so you can see the industry I'm discussing. You know what I mean? Because I think every industry is so unique. And even within each industry, there's so many things that can play into your marketing and PR, whether it's like the seasonality of the town you're in, your geography, the mindset of the people you're trying to sell to, like the awareness of your products and services. Like you just have to be really careful about taking blanketed advice. This is also why I don't do packages in this business. Um, Every, you know, uh, a lot I've worked with so many wonderful business coaches and the ones who have never owned agencies always tell me like Whitney in order to scale you've got to create packages like package A B and C but I'm like no that that just doesn't work like people come to us for our expert opinion about what's happening in their business and how to move forward if I allow them to pick which package they get that that's the whole point they don't know what they need 
Sometimes they think they know what they need, but when I really listen to what's happening in their business, I'm like, no, you don't need package B. You need package C.2. Like, I need to create a custom package for you. So, and honestly, like, that's the only way I can operate. You know, like, every business needs an individual plan. Actually, I had a podcast episode about this. Um, it's been a little while since we posted this, but definitely go back and listen to it. I think it was like the red flags about hiring an agency. If you see an agency with packages for ongoing support, I would definitely be cautious about that. Again, I'm trying not to give you blanketed advice because like maybe you're working with a branding agency that's going to develop your brand. Well, yes, package A, B, or C. Do you need a logo? Do you need a website? Like some of those packages, yes. Okay, I get that. That's appropriate. But like for doing what we do, you know, like we have clients on retainer and we're like their marketing and PR team on an ongoing basis. There's no way I could just sell them a package and it just work for their business. Like I really have to like get in and diagnose what's happening before I can actually say, okay, here's what you need, you know? So that's the problem is they listen to this blanketed advice and they, they try to do these things and they're trying to do it all, you know, and none of it's working. So, and that's honestly where a lot of people end up coming to us because they're just so frustrated of like, I've literally tried it all and, and nothing's working, but they're just trying what they hear on these podcasts and in these articles. And again, you got to have like someone to really look at your business. Um, I've probably used this analogy so many times on the podcast, but if you're new, hear me out. Okay. It's like going to a doctor. What if you went to a doctor and you're like, Oh man, doctor, my, my head's hurting really bad. And I'm here. I need to see a doctor. And the doctor comes in and is like, okay, Whitney, you're, you're feeling sick. Would you like, um, a Tylenol, a Z pack or chemotherapy? You pick. I mean, wouldn't you look at that doctor and be like, wait, what? Like, no, no, no. You're the doctor. Don't you want to hear my symptoms? Like, don't you want to look at my family history, my my own personal like medical history? Like, don't you want to like take my temperature or listen to my heart or something before you just slap me with chemotherapy or let me pick chemotherapy? What happens if I pick chemotherapy and I don't need it? All I needed all along was just a little Tylenol for a headache, you know? So same thing here. Like we are the doctors. I tell people come in, let me hear your symptoms. Let me look at your, your history, your medical history, quote unquote, and then let's prescribe you with something that's actually going to help cure what's happening, you know? So I always feel like that's a good example. So, you know, does selling on social media straight out of the gate work sometimes? Sure. But if you really want brand followers, like connection. You want ongoing customers, people that will be customers for life. You have to create a relationship. And that's where I think a lot of businesses miss the mark because they're in such a hurry to just turn and burn that, and they're so impatient and they want immediate ROI. And the moment they don't get ROI, they throw their hands up in the air and say like, well, this must not work. We should just get rid of this. We need a new offer. We need a new campaign. Like this doesn't work. Actually, it probably would work if you would freaking nurture people a little bit, you know, slow down and stop expecting everything to work overnight. I even tell our clients like straight up, like, 
not everything we do works on the first try. Like, are we experts? Yes. But like a lot of what's happening in marketing and PR is testing, you know, Um, it's almost like we're little scientists where we create a hypothesis based off of our education and our experience. And the hypothesis is usually a very, I mean, definition is educated guess, right? It's an educated guess on where we need to start. And then we start looking at the data, Okay, and then we tweak based on that. So and then here I go again on my my next soapbox is like, this is why data is so important. Even if you're an expert, I've been doing marketing for 15 years. Okay, I've been in the game for a minute. Uh, But still, not everything I do works on the first try. Like a lot of it is testing and, and seeing, you know, so the only way to know if something is working is looking at data, but people hate it when I give them that answer. They're like, well, how do we know if it's working or not? I'm like, well, you got to look at the data. And immediately their skin crawls. Like I can tell that they're just like, oh, well, no, no. And, and I think it's because uh, people just run from data. I'm a nerd and I actually really like it. I don't really like numbers, but I like, I know what data to look for and it's not so complicated. Because nowadays you can pull so much data from everything that it does kind of get overwhelming. So I, I think the reason why people hate data is because they're doing their marketing themselves and they're already so short on time. So the, the two things that they always skip out on is research and also looking at stats. And what's such a shame is that those are the two most important parts of any campaign. Before you just start something, you've got to do a little research. People hear the word research and they roll their eyes and they're like, I don't have time to do surveys. I don't have time to make phone calls. No, research isn't always like putting together a formal survey. There is such a thing as informal research. Like you can research by looking at other people's Instagram accounts. You can research by Googling to see how many of this or that exist in a certain place. Like there's other types of research you can do. You don't just dive in and throw spaghetti at a wall. And then same thing. So then they skip out on looking at the stats at the end. And immediately, all they think to themselves is like, we didn't sell anything. This was not a success. We're done. And that's a shame because maybe they could just look at the data, make one or two tiny little changes, and then it would work. But again, all they are looking at is, did I sell something? Yes or no? Okay, then this was a failure. So it's a shame that people won't take the five minutes to just look at data. Or, I mean, option number two, I do think this happens sometimes. They get so overwhelmed by the amount of data that's out there. Totally get it. And they may understand some of the stats, but they don't know what they don't know how to take those numbers and say, okay, since this number is really low, that means this. You know what I mean? It's almost like they don't know how to interpret it. They see the number is low, but then they don't know how to get the number up. So they just kind of like the data doesn't give them any direction. And that's honestly like where we come in. We look at these numbers and we're like, okay, this is low, which means we need to pump this up. This was low. So we need to look at what time this was posted or this, the open rate on the email was really, really low. So we need to test another subject line. Like we know some potential remedies when we see these low numbers. So 
But my biggest thing I preach all the time is like for people to stop being so afraid of data and just get someone in your life that can help interpret it for you because that is the key to all of marketing. Mic drop. I, I could just stop the podcast now and never record another episode if people would understand and acknowledge that. Like data is the key to everything. That's going to tell you why something didn't work. It's going to tell you how to fix it and make it work. So, and what's such a bummer is like we do reports every month for our clients and we send them data and we try to make it so, so simple of like, here are these things. This is what this means. But I can even say like, I can tell in the next conversation that we had with them, they didn't look at the numbers. So then we got to the point where we have to like talk about it on our calls with them or otherwise they're just so busy that they don't slow down to look at it, which is okay because they have us in their court, right? Like we are heavily paying attention to the numbers, but, and we can adjust accordingly, but I still love to educate them because this is their business, right? This is their baby. If my entire team got hit by a bus tomorrow, I want them to be educated enough to where that they can at least speak knowledgeably, somewhat knowledgeably about this and understand what all of it means. Again, like, you know, it's the difference between knowing what time it is and knowing how the clock works. They don't have to know every inner working of the clock, but it is helpful to know the general aspect of data. So just a quick overview, like in our client reports, um, and every client's a little bit different based on what service we're doing for them and things like that. Here are the numbers that we look at. So on social, we look at engagement rate, their following growth, their click-through rate, because we use trackable links on on the, the 20% of posts that do have a call to action, we use trackable links to see like how much, how many clicks they're getting. So the click-through rate, and then we also look at their top three posts and their bottom three posts. I mean, like performance-wise, like which three posts crushed it, which three posts were the lowest engagement. That helps us, you know, know for the next month, like, let's stop doing, you know, if a sunset post is doing awesome every single time and getting a ton of engagement, we'll make sure to include that in the next month's content, you know. So those are our social numbers. if you're looking at paid social, um, we look at reach and impression. Honestly, that's pretty simple. Just like how many people are you getting it to and how many times are they seeing it? That's what that means. Um, And number two, the cost of action. Okay, so a cost for, it just depends because every ad is set up differently. Some ads were trying to get people to click on something. Some ads were just trying to get more visibility. Some ads were getting, were trying to get more people to click interested on an event. So you see what I mean? Like for every one of those, we look at how much, how much it's costing us to get that response. How many, you know, if it's over $1, usually it's time to reassess. So that's paid social. Um, these are just like the basic numbers we look at. And then under email, I, we look at open rate. Again, if it's super low, it could just be your subject line. It could be timing. It could be you're not segmenting your list. The open rate on email is super key because if they never open the email, that's the number one problem. We got to get them to open the email first. Okay. So that's number one. Number two is their click-through rate. Like, and also we look and see like what type of content on their emails is getting the most, uh, are, are getting the most clicks. 
So their click-through rate, and then also obviously if their list is growing, you know, we always want to ensure that they're consistently having list growth because uh, you will have some people that unsubscribe and fall off, but just making sure that we're also growing at the same time. I do look at their unsubscribe rate. If it is abnormally high, um, then we kind of reassess what's happening and we'll look and see what, you know, like, oh, they got this email and then we had a bunch of people unsubscribe that will tell me like that type of content is annoying to those people or it's it's not what they're looking for so um if you have a, a high number of unsubscribes for every email you send okay you obviously probably need to pay attention to that okay and then for pr pr is a little bit different because pr is really about gaining visibility and building relationships so it's not so data numbers driven you know um, but we look at press coverage, like are, you know, are our pitches getting picked up? Are, are, our, are our clients getting coverage? Um, are they getting collaborations? Um, number of interviews and the reach of each one. We look at those types of numbers. We look at visibility, like, um, you know, for example, we have um, a big, like, fun uh, sign that people can like climb on and take a photo at, at one of our resort clients. So seeing how many guests are sharing and tagging photos with the sign, like that's, you know, a good way to measure visibility. Um, influencers, if we're doing influencers, like how much, what are their, what does their reach look like when they're posting about our clients? How many people are clicking on the trackable links that we give them when they're posting? Same thing with affiliates. Uh, and actually, affiliates really are kind of measured more by sales because that, that's basically just like a fancy word for like referral fees with affiliates. But other some other ways we look at it um, are how many new affiliates are we getting? How often are our affiliates sharing? You know, if they're never posting about us, then they're probably never making sales, right? So we look at that type of data too. And we do look and see how like how many sales we're getting from affiliates. But we're not going to get sales if we don't look at the other numbers too. So I think overall, you know, like a huge part of this podcast, a huge part of my entire business is like helping people understand the data so that it, that can guide them everywhere they need to go, you know, um, rather than just throwing spaghetti at a wall and being like, did we get sales out of this? And, and honestly, I, I just say it jokingly, but like so many businesses operate that way. Throwing spaghetti at a wall and being like, did people buy it? Yes or no. Okay, they didn't buy it. Screw that. Let's find something else to sell. Okay, now we're selling this and throw spaghetti at that wall. Are people are buying that? Nope. Okay, on to the next thing. And, and they're left scratching their head. So um, if, if this is you, I don't feel bad. I agree with you that some of this number, these numbers and the data can really get overwhelming. So um, that's what we're here for. We help people interpret it and then we, you know, take it and run with it from there too. So um, I hope this has been helpful. Ultimately, I think the goal is, is the number one key to selling on social media is remembering that social media is top of funnel. Remember to nurture people on social media. Remember to narrow down your audience, okay? And then that's when you'll actually start to sell on social media is when you narrow down your audience and your message speaks so directly to someone's soul. It would literally be like if I saw a post on social media that was like, 
are you a 36-year-old female who lives in Florida and owns her own PR agency? If so, click here. Like, oh my God, if I saw that post, I'd be like, they're, they're talking to me. That's me. That is literally me. I'm a 36-year-old woman who lives in Florida and owns her own agency. Like, that's me. You know, like, that's what you want your customer to feel like, that you need to know them so well that when they see your post, they feel so seen. They're like, yes, that's me. Like, oh my God, I need this service. I need this product, whatever, you know. Um, so, you know, the key to selling on social media is, not trying to sell up front, using it as top of funnel to bring people into your other avenues and build a relationship with them. So thank you guys for listening. If you thought this was helpful, I would totally appreciate it. If you would share it on social, tag me, tag the agency. You can tag True Story Public Relations. You can tag me. It's the Whitney Lee. As always, I would love to hear your advice. I mean, advice. I would love to hear your ideas on what topics you guys want me to talk about. I, I love hearing uh, what your individual businesses are going through or what you need advice on. So uh, let me know. You can hit me up on Instagram, the Whitney Lee, or you can always find me on LinkedIn. And also you're welcome to reach out to the agency, True Story PR. Thank you guys for your feedback. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please take a moment to screenshot this episode and share it to social media using hashtag True Story PR or better yet, write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. See you next time for another True Story.